Investor Schooling is an education company located in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Investor Schooling, the principals or their employees, are not licensed by any regulatory institution. Phil Falcone and Larry Steinhaus are not registered reps of any investment firm, nor do they sell any securities. Their advice is based on their experiences and the experiences of their students. They are not attorneys or accountants, and before using any of their advice, they suggest you check with your legal or tax professionals. To find out more, go to www.investorschooling.com. This show is previously recorded. Now, let's welcome Larry Steinhaus and Phil Falcone, your hosts for Investor Schooling Live. Good afternoon and welcome to Investor Schooling Live. Coming to you from Investor Schooling Headquarters. I'm Phil Falcone here with my business partner, Larry Steinhaus. We are the founders of Investor Schooling. Get ready to learn real estate investing and stock option trading. Call us anytime during the show with your questions at 855-939-1137. That's 855-939-1137. That's right, we're a live program, so you can call us anytime during the show, and we'll take your calls. Don't even worry about what we're talking about, because we love to take your calls. Investor Schooling is located in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, serving the Philadelphia area in a real brick-and-mortar building. We are local guys, accessible to our students, a minimum of two nights per week. Learn this business, the business of real estate investing and stock option trading, from people who live it every day. Yo! So today we're going to be talking about how you can win Phil's car and about a day where Larry made the most money uh, in one day that he ever has. We're going to discuss that. We're going to talk about one of the biggest profit deals that I did last year as well, almost a year ago. So we're going to be talking about some of these deals. We're also going to have a conversation about how I bought a $2.1 million building with $10,000 in the bank. Is buy and hold the best way to get rich? Enhance your location and never pay too much. That comes from uh, number 45, Donald Trump. And the stock option Sultan is going to be wrapping up our show with his picks of the week. We also got some questions that were uh, emailed into us by some of our listeners. What about the question you put out there last week? I don't think anybody ever called to answer it. Is would... Should we be more funny or oh, yeah. should we be more factual? Right. And actually, that, the funny part is that question was actually two weeks ago because it's been two weeks since we've been live. I was away and you were away. Yep. So we actually canned the show for a couple of weeks and we had a couple of repeats. And I actually got calls on the repeats, too. I, it was great. I had actually a couple of students call and wanted to answer the question. And they did. And they didn't. And they didn't really. They didn't really care. Is what the answer they got so far was. But hey, that's a really good question. Should we be funny or more factual? I mean, we're always factual. We always. We always tell the truth about money. We always tell the truth about real estate, about stock options, about taxes. We teach it all, and we talk about it all the time. But we try to have a little bit of fun with each other, right? We we have some good banter. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. I had a, a wonderful couple of weeks. I went to Florida on a business trip and. Uh, I was able to uh, acquire a piece of property, so I'm happy about that. What'd you buy? I bought a mobile home park in Florida. Another one? That's pretty good, man. Yeah, another one. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, I mean, what I'm really doing is I'm uh, I'm buying a rent roll. That's all. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, the, the property itself is uh, nothing amazing. It's, uh, you know, it's 10 houses, and uh, they're all on this one lot. And uh, it, but, but the part that I really am interested in is not necessarily the... 
the property or even the homes. The I want to buy the rent roll. So right, uh, right now it, it, it makes about $5,000, over $5,000 a month in profit. That's awesome. And uh, I've seen that going up up and away oh of course absolutely and, and yeah. obviously what's going on and you have you know i've talked about it many times is that the economy is going to shift and people are going to be looking for low-income housing and they're going to be banging your door down to rent those places well i've been saying this for a while like you i've asked the first thing i do is i ask the question i say hey do you think america is on the incline or do you think it's on the decline and i Definitely think it's on the decline. What do you think, Larry? Uh, well, the, uh, it's, it's not on the decline yet, but it's definitely coming, and that's the real answer. The real answer is it's going to happen, and it's going to happen. It's going to it's going to happen soon, and it's going to happen fast. Okay. And that's the thing that we need to remember. So it's a very simple philosophy for me. If you believe that the country is on the decline, then investing in low income housing is really smart because if people are struggling financially, then then. Affordable housing will be in high, high demand. Absolutely. Which means that uh, affordable housing will become less affordable. Affordable <laughs> housing will become less affordable. That, that, that should make sense. You're right, because people will be fighting over the house, and they'll be paying you excess rent, which is also awesome. And that's exactly the way we need to we need to look at it. Right. So I like affordable housing as a investment vehicle. I like it a lot. And affordable housing is mobile home parks. Well, or apartment buildings, right, exactly, or right. anything that's yeah. that's affordable. Section eight apartment buildings would be fantastic, actually, if sure. you if you wanted to get into that. And I think that's also a great place to be. I, I think I, so. It's hard not to go with that. I, the only thing I would say about that is I've owned some, I've owned some small apartment buildings, and there's just a lot of problems with that stuff. Uh, people fighting over parking spaces. People can hear everything that the other person's doing. They can hear each other. Their neighbors having sex. They can hear their neighbors fighting. They can smell their neighbors food. They can hear their neighbors fighting. So there's a lot of problems with that where in a mobile home park, even though there are a bunch of these mobile homes that are lined up in a row, they they still theoretically are single family homes. Yeah, I, I just wanted to know if you were putting microphones in, in outside the trailers so you could listen to them. Uh, well, I have had neighbors uh, in duplexes <laughs> that I could hear them. Yes, <laughs> I, I have lived in duplexes and in triplexes. So I, I lived in a house with my wife. We lived in a house. <laughs> the guy downstairs snored so loud that we could not only hear him upstairs, but he sounded like he was in the room with us. That's funny. When I was a kid and I would stay out until all hours of the night, I would come home and I could actually hear my father snoring outside the house. Wow. That's how loud he snored. And I knew, like, if I heard him snoring, then I could come in and he would have no clue that I came home at 5 in the morning. Oh, so you never complained about it. That's very smart. Well, I never... I never complained about it. No, because yeah, that's it brilliant. was it was it told me that he was awake or if he was sleeping. That's, I I would have never thought how smart that. I would have said, "Dad, you snore, haha." But that's why you know that's why you stayed after five o'clock in the morning, and you know, and my dad hit me with the strap if I came home after ten. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Now, now that we've gone completely off somewhere else. By the way, is this okay, guys? Is this banter okay, or do we need to go to something factual right now? Is buy and hold the best way to get rich? <laughs> Let's get into something factual now. Is buy and hold the best way to get rich? Of course it is. It, and well, rich. Well, so it, it depends on your definition of rich. And we've had this conversation before. 
you know, some people say rich is like, you know, just having having a lot of money to be able to buy anything you want. And wealthy is something that you hold on to and maybe you pass it down generational. So it really depends on your definition. But yeah, okay. Here, here's the advantage of buy and hold. The most, the most important advantage of buy and hold is simply the fact that you're buying properties, whatever it is you're paying for, let's say you pay $100,000 for it. And even if you got a 100% mortgage at $100,000, which by the way, we teach people how to do all the time. We, we even teach people how to get the $100,000 mortgage and $20,000 on top of it for renovations. And you can get the whole thing at once. But assuming you got a $100,000 house and you're getting whatever, 1100 bucks a month rent. And if you're making whatever, $150, $200 a month, profit on that out of nothing then as time goes by you're paying down the loan and you're also the property value is also increasing and by the time you turn around and you know i have a couple of properties that i bought five six seven ten years ago i look at them now and i'm like wow the equity in this thing is amazing and not only that the rent that used to i used to make two hundred dollars on i'm now making eight hundred or a thousand dollars a month on so yeah it is the best way to get rich and actually rich and wealthy if you want to talk about both it's uh it's just one of the greatest investment vehicles ever absolutely absolutely there's nothing better Uh, and you know we teach stock options we teach stock we teach many other vehicles and the absolute best one is absolutely real estate you know i look at some of the real estate deals that i've done not all of them i've I've made a mistake here and there but uh, you make mistakes yes but i've looked at um some of my most successful real estate deals and i consider them like a monument to smart decision making well, what was your most successful real estate deal? Well, I guess I have to go with uh, Executive. Of course, I agree with you. I think that is the most successful real estate deal you've ever done as Executive. As a matter of fact, I know you wanted to talk about it today. Why don't we just go there? Yeah, we could talk about it. So, um, I took a realtor training class in this building called Executive Suites, which is in Huntington Valley, and it's. Uh, uh, it's right on Buck Road, in between County Line Road and Street Road. And I became a realtor taking a class in one of the how do you offices. Say, how do you say that word? Realtor. It's not realtor? Uh, if you say realtor, you're probably not a realtor. <laughs> I, know a lot of, I know a lot of realtors that say realtor. Like the guy on the show right before us, by the way. Yeah. You know, the, the funny part is... Uh, I used to be in this group. I'm not going to say the name of the group. Sure. But there was a woman in that group who used to call herself a realtor. Yep. And I thought to myself, she's been in the business for over three decades, and she still hasn't learned how to pronounce the career path she chose. Well, wasn't her name Barbara? <laughs> I'm not saying her name. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. That made Pedro laugh. <laughs> so when I saw this uh, property for sale, it was for sale for $2.3 million. At the time, I had $10,000 in the bank. And uh, to make a long story short, I decided to start selling off a bunch of my row homes. I, didn't ha- I only had $10,000 in the bank, but I did have a bunch of row homes. I had about 20-something row homes at the time. This was in 2006 when I bought this building, and at the time I only had $10,000 in the bank, but I, I did have uh, a bunch of properties that had some equity in them. And I got kind of lucky. I put eight houses up for sale, and four of them sold, sold relatively quickly. And two of the four deals 
I was able to be the realtor on both sides of the transaction. So I made a little bit of extra money besides the money I made from the properties. And I did four separate properties. I did a 1031 exchange. So in order for me to buy this property for the, it was listed at 2.3 million, but I negotiated it down to 2.1 million, 2 million, 2 million, Right, so I needed, according to my mortgage person, I needed to put down four hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. I had ten grand in the bank, but luckily for me, the four houses I sold, each home that I sold had approximately a hundred thousand dollars in equity in it. Approximately, one was ninety-five, one was one hundred five. You get the idea. I, I basically was able to do a quadruple ten thirty-one exchange into one big building. So out of these four properties that I sold, I had approximately four hundred grand plus the ten grand I had in the bank. I'm still sixty-five thousand short. It occurs to me at this moment, because uh, I didn't back then, I wasn't as uh, capable of raising money as I am now. Uh, and at that time, I didn't know where to get sixty-five thousand. I was, you know, calling people and asking them for the money and that kind of thing. But um, it occurred to me, hey, wait a minute, when you buy a duplex or when you buy a triplex. All of the security deposit and all the last month's rent gets transferred to the new buyer. And I thought, well, this property that I was trying to buy had a rent roll of $42,000 a month. So I called up the title company and got a co I got a copy of all the leases and added them all up and saw that there was $60,000 in a escrow account that was going to come to me at settlement. So I called up the title company and I said, hey... I know this money comes to me at settlement, but does it come at the beginning of settlement or at the end of settlement? And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm asking if I can use that 60000 as part of my down money. And he said, yes, you can. And just like that, I was only $5,000 short of buying a $2.1 million building when I had $10,000 in the bank. Yeah, but you couldn't buy the building because you didn't have the 5000 <laughs> <laughs> Five thousand would never stop me uh, at that point. So. I was talking to my neighbor today. He was like, he was like, I told him I saw. By the way, I sold my vet. I don't know if you know that. I actually got more money for my vet than I paid for it three years ago. Yeah, you you said that the other day. Yeah, so I sold it because I was like, all right, if somebody's gonna do that, that's fine with me. But but a funny story was I was talking to my neighbor today. He's like, oh, you sold your vet. I always wanted one. I said, well, what are you looking for? And he goes, I'm looking for like a you know the, the body style of 69, 70 body style. I go, you could pick one up for twenty grand. And he goes, he goes, yeah, I know, but you know, I, I go, it's twenty grand. Go buy this, go buy the vet. You got twenty grand, and he just, he just can't wrap his head around the fact that that he can have anything he wants, which is just a money mindset yeah. problem. We talk about that all the time. I always like the seventy-three style. Yeah, it's the same uh, one, right? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a that's a cool style. But yeah. I've been in those seventy-three vets before. I had a couple of friends mm -hmm. back in the day who had them. They're slow. They're not very comfortable either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 they're neck breakers. Right, right, right. Because right, right. Right. So, the, fiber, the fiberglass body wasn't perfected yet. So it looks very cool, but it's not a very fun yeah, car to drive. Yeah. My MG's fun to drive. I like my MG. Actually, it's the most fun car I've ever driven because I paid almost nothing for it, and it's just a lot of fun, and I don't care if it sits out in the rain. I don't care anything. Anyway, we're getting back to cars now. Let's get oh, back hey, to... What's, uh, the, what's the uh, day that we're going to be doing the tour of Executive? I don't know. Hey, 
Do you know Pedro? Did, did they were doing this really the second time? I have no idea. But you, a, you would think we would know, huh? I thought it was like. Uh, yeah, he, he's going to actually. October? We're actually going to do a tour, and you guys are all invited to this, which is kind of neat. I think it was October 9th. Is that the day? But I'll tell you what, while you look that up, there, somebody on YouTube is actually watching us, and they had a question. They said, I'm a small landlord in Coatesville, and his property was flooded with Storm Ida. No flood insurance. Have you had any experience with flooding in your rental units? So, I have. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> mine, mine is mine's pretty exciting well, too. Your flood, your flood was from We're, a different reason from my flood. Yeah, my yeah. flood was from the Delaware River. Well, yeah, why don't you talk about that, that one? Yeah, talk about that one real quick. Yeah, so, uh, geez, I guess it was around 2001. I bought a seven-unit apartment building in Trenton, New Jersey, in a neighborhood called the Island. And the reason they call it an island is because, want to guess? It's on an island. It is an island. Is it an island or is it a it's peninsula? A real, it's a real island. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, it's like just a piece of land that's completely surrounded by water on the Delaware River. And uh, I looked up the history of when's the last time it flooded. And it flooded 47 years ago. So I thought, well, I'm probably good, you know. I'm not going to worry about it, right? So I bought the building. And then it flooded two times in the next three years. Yeah. Right, so uh, it was it was pretty bad. It whacked out the whole lower. So if you know what a garden variety apartment building is, you walk in the front door, you go down half a flight of steps, and there were three efficiency units on the lower level. You go up half a flight of steps, and there were two units there, and then you go up another full flight of steps, and there were two units up there. So it was seven units all together. Uh, four of them were very big one bedroom apartments, and then three of them were small efficiencies. And uh, the lower level just got totally destroyed. I mean, mud like crazy, like several inches of mud. Literally, the Delaware River came into the house. And, uh, you know, I was concerned about some structural issues possibly, but uh, there already were some structural issues with the building because of the flooding uh, that that just made it worse. But to make a long story short, I mean, I I got a public adjuster to help me with the thing, and I got a check for like 40 grand. you you, You had FEMA insurance? I, I had flood insurance. Okay, yeah. he didn't have flood insurance, the okay. person who was watching. So I'm going to tell you my story about no insurance, Did, <laughs> which is, uh. so I had, I have a, I have, a, I own three condos. So there's a condo complex out in Lansdale that I own a couple of, a few units in, and each building is a quad. It's not a fourplex, it's a quad, right, Phil? Absolutely, it's a quad. It's a quad. If you call it a fourplex, <laughs> so you're really going to get me upset. It's a fourplex, and, and, a, and a realtor sold it to me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a quad, and there's there's you know so there's four units. There's two upstairs, there's two downstairs, and I own. If you're looking at the building from the entrance, I own all but the one. The top right is the only one I don't own, so I own the other three. So under the two on the left side, underneath the two, all the storage units are underneath those two. So I recently rent out the top one to a guy who, you know, he, he's, he's working down the street. I think he's actually working at Merck. And he hadn't literally, he hadn't really officially moved in yet. But he hooks up some bidet device, which was basically a sprayer. It almost looks like a, it almost looks like a sink sprayer. And It's, it's and, a, it's a. It's a butt washer. Yeah, well, it's exactly right, right. So it's a bit right, and and it's, it's it looks like, it looks like a it looks like a sprayer for for you know for a for a sink, right? And it's got a hook, and he hooks it up on the outside of the toilet, and you, however you use it, use it, whatever. Right. And he leaves, and sure enough, this thing is a piece cheap piece of junk made in China, of course, Wuhan, Wuhan, probably right. 
and it starts to leak. And then downstairs, they're not home. So this thing, six or seven hours later, it, my tenant from downstairs, because I own that unit too, she pulls into, there's a garage down there. She pulls into the garage and she immediately calls me. She goes, I hear water running. I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, I hear water running. And she just got out of her car. She didn't even go into the into the storage near the storage unit yet. She goes from the garage to the storage units, and she goes, "There's water all over the floor." I go, I actually said, "Oh crap, have you been in your apartment yet?" And she goes, "No." I said, "I'll stay on the phone." And she goes and she opens the door, and she bursts out crying. Her entire unit is completely flooded. Drywall is on the floor from the ceiling. That's how bad this flood was. And, and I said, and, and I, I said, oh, listen, let me tell you where the water shut off is. I told her where the water shut off. She shuts the water off. I go there. I go there. We have a, a restoration guy who works with us, right? Who, who's a student. He meets me there, and you know, we put her up. Some, we put her up for the night. The people upstairs meet me there, and it turns out to be this bidet unit. They hadn't moved in yet. They flooded that apartment too. So now I have the two apartments plus the storage units that this guy flooded out. And of course, my guy, you know, the restoration guy, guys. Hey, listen, I'll call your insurance company tomorrow. I go. I don't have insurance. And he goes, what do you mean you don't have insurance? And it's a funny thing because I actually believe, and I actually still believe it, if you have a condo, the absolute worst thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna, you know, if there's a fire and the building burns down, they're gonna fix everything up to your drywall. So I figured I could self-insure for 20 or 30,000 if that happens. I just didn't realize that I have to cover three units in one fire. That, and this wasn't a fire, this case was a flood. So. Luckily, you know, I, I luckily I have the money and I was able to afford it. So I, I mean, I don't know about your situation, the person on YouTube. I was able to afford it. It cost me about fifty-five thousand dollars. I went after the guy who, to, uh, you know, who ha who had the bidet, but of course he's he was from another country, here on an H one visa, and his basic response to me was, "Sue me if you want. I'm going back to my country." Yeah. Well, let's get on with something more interesting. Did you use the butt washer, and did you enjoy it? Because, you know, you're kind of a fruity guy. I figured you might like it. Is, does it feel good? I, have never, I will never use one again because all it makes me think about is $55,000. Does it save you toilet paper? It, apparently it does. It's more comfortable, possibly? It, it possibly. Yeah, I was thinking of getting one. I just don't want to destroy my whole house with it. Well, you could get one to mount on the inside of the toilet, so if it breaks, it goes into the toilet, not into, not into the units downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Pedro? You got any... Uh... Experience with with a uh, butt washer. Yeah, I, they're my favorite. You, your favorite? I love a bidet. You love a bidet. See, it's just gets all the cracks. So apparently, I'm hanging out with a couple of fruity guys. <laughs> hey, listen, you know, if you want to clean, uh, if you want to clean tush, you can have a clean tush. You don't want to clean tush, you don't want to clean tush. I like it when I take my pants off at night and nothing smells. Okay. Well, You're what? Italian. There, that's all over Italy. What? Sm smelly butts? Oh, what, how do we get on this topic anyway? You know, I just, uh, I like to learn things about stuff that I don't know about. <laughs> let's go, let's talk about maybe uh, real estate. Hey, why don't we, why don't we talk about how I hired a, a manager for my new uh, Yes, I park. think we should. So you have a new, you have a new park and you hired a manager. Yeah, so I, I right across the street from my new park, uh, I bought this mobile home park. And right across the street is this dive bar, this total dive bar. Right, it's called like Fisherman's Wharf Dive Bar or something, and uh, so I go over there to uh, 
you know, talk some business with my business partner. And uh, we're having a couple of beers. By the way, he's. We, we need to remind everybody that we're live. And you can call in. And actually, the guy on YouTube, if you want to call in, 855-939-1137. 855-939-1137. So if you want to call in, 855-939-1137. We're live right now. It's Saturday and we're live. We're live. This is the live show. So call in. So I walk across the street from the park over to this dive bar. There's about uh, eight people in there. And I kind of walk in and I go, how's everybody doing? Uh, I just want to tell you I'm, I'm going to be the new owner of the mobile home park across the street. Pretty much uh, nobody cared. Nobody even, like, really said hi, except for this woman who's on the other side of the bar. And she, she says, hi, how you doing, and starts talking. And she says, oh, you guys bought the park across the street. She, she says, how much did you pay for it? And I said, why don't you take a guess? And she guesses the exact number. She didn't say 100000 She guesses the exact number. <laughs> so I said, well, how did you know that? And she goes, I just know things around here. And I oh, said, well. She's one of those. I said, well, come on over and uh, talk to us. So she comes over. And this is, a, this is a real dive bar. The beers cost $2. Really? $2. And actually, it's for sale. So we could, we could buy it if you want to buy it. Do all your tenants in, in the mobile home park drink beer? I'm not completely sure, but put it this way. We could buy the we could buy the dive bar okay. if you wanted to. Sure. I think we could get it cheap. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make a phone call to the guy later on today. That's great. Okay. So uh, not that I really want to own a bar over there, but it is next door, so it might make sense. Anyway, so uh, this woman comes over, and she tells me that she's worked for contractors for years, and she knows electricians and plumbers and blah, 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 blah. She knows all these people, and... She used to hire them for a general contractor. She knows all the best people in town. And I said, look, what I got to lose, I need somebody here who can help me. The guy who works for me in Florida, his name is Jody. He's a, he's a great guy, but he is two hours away. So I figured I need somebody in town here. So I, I've already hired her, and I'm uh, giving her projects to do right now. So she just changed the phone number on the sign out front. She's going to change the website on the sign out front. Uh, I got okay. her organizing the keys, putting in a key box, and I got a bunch of projects that I can give her to do. So we're going we're gonna to find out soon enough if she's for real or not. Anyway, so it's kind of funny. She was the only person in the bar who would talk to me. <laughs> so I figured, cool. 855-939-1137, 855-939-1137 is the phone number. So if you want to call in and talk to us about uh, anything, you can, 855-939-1137. All right, so uh, why don't we take a commercial real quick, and you can find out more about investor schooling and how we got here. We'll see you in a minute. Hi, I'm Phil Falcone from Investorschooling.com. I'm inviting you to a complimentary class in Langhorn this Thursday night at 7 p.m. I will teach you how to buy ugly houses and make them beautiful. As a bonus, we will also teach you stock option investing. So get your butt to this meeting, 7 p.m. this Thursday night, Langhorn, 215-876-3002, Investorschooling.com. Come 
Hey, everybody, it's Larry Sinus from InvestorSchooling.com. You heard my partner, Phil Falcone, tell you why you should be there this Thursday night to learn about real estate investing and learn about stock options trading. We're telling you right now, you will make more money than you've ever made in your entire life if you learn these two skills. Be there this Thursday night at 7 o'clock in our Langhorne headquarters. Go to InvestorSchooling.com. Pull over right now. Take out your phone and go to InvestorSchooling.com. RSVP right now. InvestorSchooling.com. See you Thursday. Welcome back to Investor Schooling Live. I'm Larry Steinhaus, and I'm here with Phil Falcone, and we are here to talk about real estate, stock options investing, anything and everything you want to know about money. And we were just talking a little bit about your mobile home park, which was kind of cool. And why don't we talk a little bit about stock options? That was a really fast commercial. I mean, what are they? How many commercials were they running? Well, how many? How, how many commercials do you need to tell everybody to go to where? We usually have uh, four. Well, we, don't we tell them to go to InvestorSchooling.com anyway? You want you want to do you want to do a commercial real quick between you and I? No, hey Phil, I'm, what are we going to be teaching this Thursday? We're going to be talking about uh, stock options and real estate investing. All right, cool. So if we're talking about stock options and real estate investing, can people make a lot of money? Uh, if they have half a brain, they can. Yes. Yeah, and it's true. It's funny because you really only need half a brain because because you don't. It's really not, pretty. It's not business. very hard to make money in real estate and stock options, which is funny. Yeah. Which is funny that people think it is. Buy something, rent it out, and uh, come back to it ten years later, and you're up a bunch. Right. And you, how do they? How do they? How do they register for a class? Uh, it's pretty easy. You just uh, show up to investorschooling.com. Go to investorschooling. Put your name and email address in. And we will save you a seat. But if they only have half a brain, do you think they know their name? Yeah. Okay. I think if you have half a brain, you still know your name. <laughs> so if you need help with that, you could call in, by the way, 855-939-1137, and we will help you put your name in if you only have half a brain. All right. What topic do you want to talk about now? Let's talk a little bit about stock options. All right. What, what's on your mind? So I, I know you had said something earlier about uh, my biggest day in stock options, which the anniversary of is coming up in about, I don't know, about six weeks or so, right? So, you know what? I, I, I don't recall the exact date, but mm -hmm. about a year ago, yeah. you had about the most amazing day that uh, I know of anybody making that much money in one day. And tell actually, it, and you had a really cool wholesale deal, and we'll talk about that too. Yeah, so okay. yeah, so I made $193,000 in one day on stock options trading, which absolutely blows my mind to this day. I'm just fascinated by it. It's fantastic to know that I made that much money in one day. If only they were all like that. Uh, uh, the funny part is right now, I wish I'd have another one right now. <laughs> yeah. That well, would be helpful. You could, you could... That could be a pretty strong down payment on a uh, mobile home park? apartment building. Yeah, right. A mobile, mobile, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So you also had. So the cool part is you also had right about that time your best wholesale deal that you ever did. Yeah. Yeah. And you so made how much? I made one hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars for me, and my partner made the same amount. That's pretty awesome, man. Right. That's, I mean, that's just that's another thing that just yeah. blows my mind. It's how much money that you made. And look, in this business, I got to be honest with you, those two numbers, they're overwhelming. And it's, it's I, I mean, if you make them, it's fantastic. But what if you just made ten or $20,000? Wouldn't you feel really good about making an extra ten or $20,000? Of course, of course. I mean, and I'm not by any means trying to say that that's normal for a wholesale deal. What this particular deal was, it was a, um, it was a house that's in Collegeville that sat on a couple of acres and it had um, it had a huge garage, like a fifty thousand dollar garage. The lady's husband uh, used to 
like set up race cars, real race cars. So he, it was his hobby, and he spent all of his time working in this big garage. And unfortunately, he got ill and uh, passed away. And the lady just wanted to sell the house, and I was able to get the house for 260 grand. And then I went into the house, and I, I did a lot of cleaning and stuff. I, I It was a lot of trash removal, getting rid of garbage, that kind of stuff. I worked there about 40 hours over the course of several weeks, and I put the house up for sale for $450,000, I think, and I ended up getting 410000 for it. So I... Hmm. I made a bunch of money in a, you know, roughly about a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, Pretty awesome. For me and my partner in a very short period yeah. of time. It just goes to show you that you don't have to, when you buy a house that needs to be fixed up, you do not have to fix up everything that you buy. Sometimes you should try, at least, to just take the thing in its current state and try to sell it for more right now and see what happens. Well, we've had we you and I actually partnered with a student once yeah. once, and we made like a hundred and fifty thousand dollars between the three of us, and we split it. It was actually pretty cool, right? And we did almost no work to that house. We didn't either. do any work at all. We literally yeah. bought it, put it up on the market the next day. We were supposed to renovate it. That was the point. We we bought it to renovate. It. So one of the things that we teach our students is how much would you sell this? Pro if you bought a property right now, and you were going to, and you were going to um, you, you renovate it, but if somebody made you an offer right now, what would you take for it? And whatever that number is, put it up on the MLS for that number. You never know. You might get it. So not only did we put it up for the number we thought, we had a bidding war over that house. Yeah. And they bid it up $50,000 more than we wanted. Well, we're going to do more deals like that. Yeah, absolutely. We need because, to. Because uh, we're really focused on that now. And uh, I predict many big, fat checks coming your way. In absolutely. Future. Yeah, we, we and we do get a lot of big, fat checks. Right. And we're going to show all those checks to Pedro. Well, yeah. Well, Pedro, you know, he needs to he needs to learn how to get big big fat checks too. Yeah, we're not going to let a him. Chunky money check coming. You got a chunky money check coming? Yeah. All right. What are you selling? Tell us about it. I got a house for ten grand. I put it up for sixty thousand, and someone offered me fifty two, and wow. they will pay closing costs. 10 Good grand? for you, man. That's where, awesome. Where did you get a house for ten grand? In the worst neighborhood in Philadelphia. All right, that's cool. So, so for you guys to know who Pedro is, Pedro is our in-house engineer, and we also have an out-of-house engineer. By the way, if you call right now, 855-939-1137, you will get to talk to Glenn, and Glenn is our out, Glenn is our engineer at PhD, because we have our own studio. And I don't know if you guys know this. We actually built a studio, because during COVID, we couldn't go to PhD anymore, because they wouldn't let us in the building, because they were afraid we might you know, get Dom Giordano or uh, Rich Zioli sick. So we came God here, forbid. yeah, and we got ourselves our own studio. We built we built a fifty thousand dollars studio down here, and we connect to PHC. So if you want to call in, talk to Glenn. Actually, you're calling right now eight five five nine three nine eleven thirty seven. Isn't it funny that I said we get more calls on a Saturday when we're li when we're when we're not live, and today we're not. But I actually think I know why. Have you seen how beautiful it is outside? Uh, well, I spent the whole morning. That's outside. right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is a perfect day. It is the most beautiful very day. Very much like September 11th, 20 years ago. Oh, man, yeah. It's a very clear day. Yeah. There's no wind. There's no yeah. clouds in the sky. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm kind of hoping it's not as interesting, to be honest with you. But, yeah, uh, yeah, 9 11. Right, you're expecting a terrorist attack today? I hope not. Nobody ever is, though. Are, are, are they ever? Uh, you know. I, this conversation is just going to get me on a political thing. So. Yeah, and it's not only going to get me on a political thing, it's also going to make me sad, too, because that was a very sad day for me. You know, I had, uh, 
uh, what do they call it? 9-11, uh, what do they call that? Uh, the the crisis, you know, like uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. I, I was watching that. I watched that thing for weeks. I just kept watching TV and watching TV and watching TV, and it really it, it affected me for many years. Because hmm. I used to go there. That was my territory when I owned my computer consulting company. Mm-hmm. I used to literally, I, I used to come out of the, the World Trade Center, the the path train, and from there I would go everywhere I was going. And it was tough. You and mean there was a train in the World Trade Center? So the the, the, the train, train station, the yeah, trade the train center. station went to the World Trade Center. That was that was the the path station, and you walk through the, you walk through the mall, the World Trade Center to get out, mm-hmm. and then you went and then you went out and you went out into uh, you know onto the ground. So it was it, it was rough. It was rough for me for a long time. And I used to have all my, I I knew, I knew people who died in there, I knew people who were there when it happened. I was. On the roof of the World Trade Center in April of the same year that they yeah. attacked it. Yeah. Uh, I was on the roof. Got a picture of all all of us on the roof. When Stone was a little kid, we were up on the roof. And we. I just remember uh, driving to New York City, parking the car, paying to go into the World Trade Center. And I remember looking at my wife and saying, we just got here, and I've already spent two hundred dollars <laughs> between tolls and oh, yeah, and, yeah, and, and everything, and uh, right. and parking and the tickets yeah. to get into the World Trade Center. I'm like, yeah, I'm already out two hundred bucks. We just got here. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. It, it was expensive it, town. It, it's always expensive to get in there. Yeah, sure. So anyway, so uh, huh. so. So, by the way, our number eight five five nine three nine eleven thirty seven eight five five nine three nine eleven thirty seven. I'm not sure if we're having trouble. Somebody's saying they're trying to call, but I don't know. So, so anyway, either way, we will find out what the story is with that. It should be good. Eight five five nine three nine eleven thirty seven. You know what? If somebody wants to go, just call in and just double check so we can make sure our phone works. Because somebody's saying they're trying to call in. All right, where else are we going with this, Phil? Well, we could talk a little bit about enhancing your location. Like, have you ever done any uh, really clever enhancements to properties that you own? So I, so when you say enhancements to properties, one of the things that I do, and it's funny because I have a couple of property managers for some of my properties. I manage some of myself, and I have other property managers, and every single property manager says the same thing to me. I over-repair my properties. So when you say enhancements, I mean, I'm buying... You know, top of the line cabinets. I put granite countertops down, nice faucets, nice, you know, everything in nice floors. I, I have a you know two tone, not two tone paint, but you know a paint, and then I have the nice the trim done in a nice color. And the reason I do it is I I personally believe that that if I'm going to take pride in my property, then somebody's going to take pride. They can, if if I take pride in the property, somebody living there will take pride in the property too. And and I kind of believe in that. So. Every single one of my property, in 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 my property manager's opinion, is is over repaired, and then when the tenants move out, I go back in and I make it look just the way it was the day it was. Two things about that make me very happy. One is the day I put it up for rent, it's rented. Plus, I get the most amount of rent. I mean, I I've gotten rent two three hundred dollars more than the whole area because of how I, rent, I renovate the property and I get people fighting over it. That's number one. Number two, I believe it's actually easier when the tenant moves out to fix it. Well, it probably is. Yeah. I mean, I've always done that my whole career. Like, even the very first building that I bought, I think the rents were like, this was in 1989, the rents were like $375 a month. And I said, and I just went to both tenants and I said, listen, you know, I'm going to have to raise the rent to like 450 Yeah. 
And uh, one of them said, well, I'm leaving. And I am said, you know. Please do, right. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. It's fine with yeah. me. And she left, and I just re-rented the property at the numbers I mm -hmm. made up. And I've been doing that my whole life. So, like, the, you can look up and see what the neighborhood rents for, but I, I give very little credence to that. Like, sure. you just get the number you get. Tenants don't do any research. They see an apartment. They like it. They come right. by. If they can right. afford it, they just do it. Right, exactly. Right? They don't think it through at all. They don't do a bunch of research. No, so they, can, they can either afford it or they can't afford it. They like it or they don't like it. That's as simple it's as simple. that. They, they make yeah. quick decisions, and and I'm fine with that. You know, it's funny when I have some people, they say, well, you know, you're asking whatever. You're asking 1800 Every other place is going for 15 I go, well, you probably should rent another place then. That's my, that's my answer. Anyway, we got Harry on the line. Harry, what is going on, man? How can we help you? Well, I wanted to, I wanted to, know, to know how much, uh, how much uh, it is to... Uh, to become, a student. to become a student. How much is it to become a student? Here's here's the yeah, very yeah. first hurdle you must you must go over. The very first hurdle is you have to show up on Thursday night. Investorschooling.com. You can show up because we honestly we vet our students, and if you can't show up, you can't be a student. So it's so just go to Investorschooling.com. You can either take a class in person or Zoom. If you show up in person. It's probably, you know, especially if you're local, because I see you in Philadelphia, you'll, it's probably a little more enjoyable. And plus, you'll get to you'll get to uh, see us, and if you'd like, you can even see our radio studio downstairs. But that would be the first thing. But what else? What other questions do you have? Well, the other question, oh, the other question is, is, I was talking I was with a friend. He said you can borrow money. If you have like a hundred thousand dollars, you can borrow like two, like three hundred thousand dollars. Is that true? That's true. I'm not sure I understand the question. He's saying if you have a hundred thousand, you can borrow two or three hundred thousand. If you have a hundred thousand in the bank, from the bank, from the bank. Well, so so you could you may be able to borrow more. It depends on what your assets are. I mean, if you have a house that has some equity in it, you could borrow the equity out of your house, which we highly recommend you do, especially if you're going to buy, if you, especially if you're going to buy a, a, a rental property. Is that the question you're asking, or do you, or do you have a hundred thousand to your name and you want to borrow three hundred thousand? A hundred thousand to buy a house. Is that uh, correct? Uh, whatever purpose. I, I think I think I know what he's asking. He, he he's asking. It sounds like, it sounds like what he's asking is, do you have to put twenty five percent down to buy a four hundred thousand dollar house? The answer is yes, until you come to investor schooling, and we'll tell you how, until we teach you how to do that without taking the hundred thousand dollars down. You ready, Phil? I got a question for you, and we're gonna ask. We're gonna answer Harry's question with this. You ready? If you had a million dollars in the bank, how many houses can you buy? It's uh, it's in, it's impossible to calculate that number. Can you buy a hundred? Theoretically, you could. Can you buy a thousand? Uh, anything's possible. Yeah, and how much money worth the million dollars would you still have in the bank? Uh, not sure, but uh, pretty close to all of it, right? <laughs> so we, you, your appetite could. Uh, could be very large. Yeah, so you need so once you learn how to buy houses with no money out of your own pocket, which is what we teach, you'll be absolutely blown away, Harry. So hopefully we'll hopefully we'll have you come in next week, but we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to Mike in the Poconos. What's going on, Mike? Hey, how hey, you guys how doing? You guys doing? All right. I love your I show. Love your I listen show. to you every week. Every week. Oh, thanks man. We appreciate that. Yay. Yay. Uh, here's, a uh, here's a question for you. For you. I've been involved I've been in modular, modular home building. building. I'm, a, I'm, an I'm an investor, investor and, uh, and uh, I, I've been I, doing I've modular been homes for like 35 years. Come on, good for you, man. That's awesome. And, and, 
Yeah, 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 yeah I've, 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 I've built them, built them both domestically and internationally. And, internationally. and, uh, and uh, what I'm, what I'm finding now is when I'm going to look for mortgages, they're asking this question, has the house been built from the foundation up? And it seems to me like there's some prejudice against modular housing. Now, I know there's mobile homes, which is a different building code altogether. I understand that. But modular homes are built to, you know, national building home specs. So do you have any thoughts on that? And I have one more question for you. So interesting. I never heard of that before. I mean, I bought modular homes. I bought modular homes secondhand. In other words, you know, somebody already built it, and I bought it, and I had no problem with it whatsoever. You know, did did they actually say no because of it, or did they ask just ask the question? No, it no, seems like a very prejudiced question. Why? Like they have the foundation. Well, I was. I, I mean, I, sorry. I, has, sorry. Has, you know. Has, you know. Has, How's the foundation been built on the foundation? What they were probably trying to find out was there's a big difference between a, uh, a modular home that has wheels on the bottom of it and a modular home that does not have wheels. There's right. a big difference. So obviously if it has wheels on it, it's something you have to get registered with the motor vehicles department. And if it doesn't have wheels on it, then it can, you know, be more of a, maybe that's what they were trying to find out from you. Yeah, I would, I, I would, well, I, I would, well. I wouldn't worry about the question because it, because it sounds like you're doing the modular homes where the the house is just built off site, then they and then they assemble the four or five pieces together on site. Is that what you're doing? Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, but so in, I, the past, in the past, they made a, they made a differentiation between a mobile home and a modular home. They never, they never, they never assumed that modular homes were the same as mobile. Okay, but but my question to you was: Are they actually giving you trouble getting the loan, and just asking the question? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, no, well, I, mean, I never, well, got, I never that got that far. Because, so, because Mike, if I wanted to buy, once I said no, that house has been built, built, you know, on you know, site. site. I don't get any further than that. Than that. Go, go to a different mortgage company. So Mike, what do you do? You build modular homes? I build, I build, I build modular, modular homes for the last 35, 35 years in small okay, developments, so, in large developments. Large developments. I, I sold I the large contract of government of Israel when they were, they were uh, having, uh, having a housing shortage for the, uh, the uh, Russian immigrants, immigrants back in so the 1990s. So if I wanted to buy uh, half a dozen houses from you and have you ship them to Florida, what would that cost me? <laughs> Uh, I would look I at the manufacturers down in, in uh, that are down in Florida. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have them here. here. Well, what we actually we did is we were not a manufacturer. We were a marketing, we were a marketing company. Okay. Because so you're, the 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 modular manufacturers are just not marketers. Neither were the builders. So we filled the gap in between. You know. You know. The builders and the manufacturers. All right. Well, give me a range. I can do that for you. Give me a range of what these houses would be purchased for today. Well, well, you know, anywhere from depending upon what you're looking for, fifty thousand up to you know two, three hundred thousand. That's awesome. Very cool. All right, man. You you said you yeah, had another quick yeah. question. We you're actually you're actually your audience yeah, no, terrible. Yeah, no, quick question. So we're we're enjoying your, we're enjoying the banter. Okay. 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, have, I a have a house in, uh, in uh, Northeast North Philadelphia, Philadelphia yeah. that I just so rehabbed. I, I put about eighty thousand dollars into it. Into it. Uh, it's, it's, you know, you know, sell probably for two, everything's, everything's brand new. new. Uh, uh, it's not modern where I bought the house at 85 and rehab, they have it. It's probably worth about 250, Want your idea of, you know, if I spell it, now the time, the marketplace, what you might do with something like that, like that. It's a hundred grand equity and equity. There's a whole lot of questions I would have to ask you first, but just to answer your first question, yes, if you're thinking about selling, you don't want it anymore, now's a really good time to sell it because prices are really high. Um, if you wanted to keep it and you wanted to access that equity, the better choice is a home equity loan. Just go to get a HELOC, and there are certain banks that will do HELOCs on investment properties. Go there and get the HELOC and pull the equity out, and then you can use it, and that's actually tax-free money that you can use to buy another home. And then you get to keep that one, and that one grows, plus the rent pays on that one, and then the other one grows, and you rent pays on that one. So always, I, I always what, like to what, keep what my soldiers. Uh, what, what was the question? LTV. What's oh, the LTV. Typically, typically it's eighty percent. So you'd have to have, you know, so whatever you own, whatever you own in the property plus this loan would have to be eighty percent of what the property's worth. So you know, if you have a hundred thousand equity, you might think, if you have a hundred thousand equity, you might think maybe you'll get fifty thousand mm -hmm. in that mm -hmm. home. Okay. Okay. But if you need to sell it, sell it. All right. Uh, wonderful. Why don't wonderful we? Why don't we talk a little bit about the stock option Sultan? Is he here? Yeah, Mike. So why don't you come in and we'll talk to you. Go to investorschooling.com. Hopefully we'll talk to you again another time. Hi. All right, man. Let's get into some stock options and talk about that. Where is the stock option Sultan music? Oh, my goodness. Stock option Sultan. All right. Let's talk about some stocks. So first of all, one of the things that happened on Friday, which I believe presented an awesome buying opportunity, was Apple. So Apple dropped. If you saw it, Apple dropped on Friday, dropped five points, actually over five points. And the reason was because I, I've, if you're following this story, Apple has... Obviously, they have the App Store, and if you have an app on 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 the App Store, or and you want to sell something inside the app, so let's say you whatever you have the App Store, and let's say you charge ten bucks, Apple gets thirty uh, gets three dollars of the ten dollars, but now your app is out there, and they have something inside the app that they want to sell. They now they Apple said you have to sell it to the App Store so they can make their thirty percent on that too. Well, there was a couple of people who fought it. Some of the game companies fought it, and they actually won. They went to court and they actually won. So because of this, of course, you know it'll lower Apple's revenue. But so what? It's like you know, uh, it's, it's like a uh, mosquito on a rhinoceros's butt. They're, they're, that piece of revenue that they're going to lose. So it's no big deal. So that to me presents a buying opportunity. In fact, Apple is below one hundred and fifty right now. This is a price, and I also think another price that's a really good price would be 145. So I would I would start looking at Apple. I think Apple's earnings are coming up real soon. They got another iPhone coming out. Everything about Apple to me is a buy buy buy. Whether you're a stock option investor or whether you're just investing in the stock, I also think if you want to be safe and you want to buy the stock and sell the covered costs, it's it's a great play. It really is all around. American Airlines on Friday. So first of all, the market tanked on Friday, and I, I'm not quite sure why the market tanked. It actually seems like maybe it was just a bunch of fears, like the, the typical September fears. American Airlines below 19 right now. To me, I get another play. Matter, a matter of fact, just so, I, I actually bought at at 358. 
on Friday, I bought more American Airlines because I thought the price was so low, I had to jump all over it. Below 19, it was a perfect play. So again, if it stays down there, I would buy it. If it goes down any lower, buy it, buy it, buy it. And of course, my other favorite would be CCL, which is the other one, which is doing the same exact thing. CCL is a great play at at uh, you know anything below 23, and I would write these out. But if you're going to be doing stock options on these, my suggestion is go out to minimum February, minimum February, because right now this, this way you'll go over two earnings, and I think it's important that you do that because right now you know you still got the you know the supreme leader who's uh, who's got the mask mandates going on, so the supreme leader is telling people that they have to wear masks until at least until the middle of January. Hopefully, eventually the supreme leader will either be voted out or kicked out. Or we'll maybe let people to live their life in America once again, but we'll see. Well, so, I believe that the mandates are probably going to be found to be uh, beaten back by this Supreme Court. Well, this new mandate, the one yeah. with the, empl the employees of oh, this was insane. Employees of over a hundred people have have they're being mandated to mandate that they have to have the vaccine. Holy cow! What country is this again? I mean, I'm struggling with, with, with calling it the United States of America at this point. Do we actually have a constitution anymore? I can't believe we, we went there, but we, we needed to go there. This is insane. Absolutely insane. So hopefully, eventually, the mandates will either be voted away, sued away, or maybe one day somebody will come to their senses. I don't know. Um, I, I, you know, so I, I've, been, I've been heavily into Alibaba. And unfortunately, the China story just won't go away. It's one of those stories I thought it would go away, where the China China is cracking down on Chinese companies and saying, hey, you can't make enough money because they're communists. You know, that's coming here, too. That's coming here. As a matter of fact, in New York, Uber and Lyft, Uber, Lyft, um, DoorDash, and uh, the other one, Grubhub, has been told that they're not allowed to make more than a certain percentage of money anymore over the check. So if your check's ten dollars, they used to be able to add three dollars. They can't do it anymore. Now they have to. They actually have to charge a certain a certain amount of money less. So it's amazing to me that they're telling a, a company you can't charge these prices. You know, if they, if, if people don't want to pay, and they just don't 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 take the service. I mean, it's like us, you know. You know, the average student here pays about four hundred fifty thousand dollars. No, I'm only kidding, Bill. But I thought you'd find that funny, especially because that guy asked. No, but if you don't want to pay our service, don't pay our service. Go somewhere else. You know, you 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 can get a lot of bad information if you want from other people. And if you don't want the service, you don't want our service, right? All right. So you got to be careful with that. Alibaba is doing the same thing. That's why I think the play is just stay away from it. If you're in it, you know, white knuckle it. Try to get into somewhere near your out price. I know we've been talking about it in the class, but I got to tell you, stay away from it. It's not a great place. So right now, also crypto is kind of kind of struggling right now. At least at least Ethereum is at 3300. That's pretty good. Um, you know, I'm still waiting for it to break 4000 and hit that 4000 and bounce right off and bounce right back down. So people were looking for the 4000 number to get out. I think it'll break through the next time. But hey, you know, there's nothing there's nothing you can do. It's going it, to hopefully it'll break through the next time. All right. And then of course, uh Doggy Coin, my other favorite crypto is uh, sitting there at 24 25 it actually hit 31 cents again and i didn't sell it because i thought it would go a little bit further but understand that i'm not a crypto player i just happen to have you know i don't know a couple of 10 grand in there and enjoying it uh for for right now all right so we've got what we got about a minute and 30 seconds what do you think man oh uh, that's a lot of pressure 
Thanks to our producer, Glenn and Pedro, for helping us out today. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor on this show, you can email us at info at investorschooling.com. Info at investorschooling.com. Don't forget to visit investorschooling.com and put your name and email address in there so you can attend a free class this Thursday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to be talking about real estate investing. We're going to be talking about stock option trading. We're going to be talking about money. If you care about money, credit cards, uh, HELOC, you name it, all these things we cover in our class here at Investor Schooling. I've got plenty of time. You don't. Yes, I do. Our clock's wrong. Really? <laughs> got a wrong clock. Goodbye, everybody. Until now. <laughs> <laughs>